There is stuff happening in the world. But God is raising up a generation of songwriters and singers that are going to be singing the language of the world. But because they're connected to the lightning, it's empowered by the heavenly place. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Greetings, friend. I'm honored to have you join the conversation today, and I feel like this episode is a cause for celebration. Now, if you've listened for very long, you've picked up on the fact that I like numbers. As an accountant by profession, I consider myself a bit of a numbers nerd. Anyway, when I started this podcast back in 2020, one of the decisions I had to make was how to number these podcasts. I chose to use three digits. So episode number one was listed as 001. Well, today I get to use all of those digits in numbering my podcast because this is episode 100. (laughs) Now, I'm not super talented at planning celebrations, so there's really no marching band or confetti and streamers that go along with today's episode. But we do have another amazing guest. Today I'm chatting with Noel Robinson, Noel is a soft-spoken guitar player with a passion for Jesus, and he provides an illustration of what it means to be called a follower of God. Let's just say, I'll never look at thunder and lightning the same again, (laughs) and I hope that this episode encourages you to work and be in the light. As a regular listener, you know that I am very passionate about the work of Mercy, Inc., Mercy is a Christian humanitarian group that works around the world to change the lives of people from a wide range of backgrounds. Today, I'd like to share with you about Bethesda Medical Clinic in Haiti. Dr. Rodney and his staff provide a wide range of medical treatments to those living in Cap Haitian, Haiti. But one of the key elements of their work is making sure that the patient's spiritual health is addressed as well. I've been to Bethesda a couple of times and have seen firsthand as the staff prays with their patients every day. Patients come to the clinic early each day to share in Bible study and prayer. Then they are treated for HIV and malaria. There are baby and mama wellness checks. Patients are treated for broken bones and are provided physical therapy. I'd love for you to get involved in the great work that Mercy Inc. is doing in Haiti through Bethesda Medical Clinic. Head over to christianmusicarchive.com mercy to learn about how you can make a difference in the hearts and physical bodies of the people of Haiti. That's christianmusicarchive.com mercy. And thanks in advance for your help. One of the things I've enjoyed about working on the Christian Music Archive is discovering artists that I was not previously familiar with. Our world is a big place, and there's a lot of people making music celebrating the Savior that we may have never heard of. A while back, I stumbled across the music of Noel Robinson. Noel is from Essex, London, England, and he's one of the pioneers of the British gospel sound. 
He has released eight records that I'm aware of, and in 2014, he was signed to Integrity Records. Noel has some pretty mad guitar skills, too. I, he's got some great jazz stuff. I hope to talk about that. But the thing that draws me most to Noel is his desire to bring unity to the body of Christ. So let's welcome to the podcast worship leader, music pastor, songwriter, and my new old friend, Noel Robinson. Welcome, Noel. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I mean, you are like miles away, but through the amazing technology, uh, what we got going on, Dave, is that we can speak to each other. Time zones are big, but it's all good. Well, it was funny because we <laughs> great, first scheduled you. this and, and, and we got it scheduled. You were going to be up at midnight doing this. I'm I know. <laughs> You're like, where am I? Okay, right. Let's do this. Let's go. go. Well, you're doing a lot of international worship ministry, so this is no big deal for you. Actually, no, it's not. When you said 12 o'clock at night, I'm like, that's fine. You know, um, you know, I often have to um, do these uh, Zoom um, worship talks or, or, or lead in, in meetings that are happening all over the world and, and some odd times you know like can you do a six o'clock in the morning one it's like where am I going? malaysia uh okay right let's uh let's see how we can do that how, how much yeah, coffee do is... i need for that one huh exactly i loved it in the old days when they go off we fly you in to do this meeting i'm like yeah i love it. i love traveling yeah now it's like yeah it's a zoom meeting mate yeah <laughs> Well, a lot of a lot of my listeners may not know who you are, like I didn't know until I stumbled across your stuff. Tell me, who is Noel Robinson? Well, you know, um, I'm I'm actually British born. I was born in England um, of Caribbean parents. Um, so my parents were immigrants uh, coming to the UK in the mid '60s, kind of thing, and and um, I was born here. So um, I I became a part of. Um, Obviously, my church, the church that I grew up, my dad was a very, um, very, very pious man, very, um, you know, he's a real strong Christian, you know. Okay. So I grew up in church, but he was also one of the musicians at church. So um, I had, uh, and my mum died when I was five. So mm. I, I only found out maybe a few years ago why there was a piano in the house, <laughs> because it was actually, my mum was the musical one. Okay. And, and, and she's the one that that ran the music but my dad was just accompanying her but obviously I didn't know some of that so I quickly jumped onto at six years old my dad put a guitar in my hand because I wanted to be like him and uh, started doing guitar so um you know I think most people would probably describe me here as as uh, from a musical point of view you know and um just really sold out for for Christ and um I think it's through the calling of God um you know I got to work with a lot of people in the UK, um, worship people and um, from around the world. Yeah. So ended up finding myself um, really answering the call of God to do what I do. So that's, I suppose, a little summary of me, yeah. where I come from. So I'm in the UK and Europe and I get to travel around the world doing uh, what I do from, from England, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of alluded to this in the in the beginning, but you're a, quite a guitar player in fact quite a jazz guitar player what was it that made well, guitar your instrument not the piano that was sitting in the corner <laughs> well i think i think i think i think what it was is that because um because i think part of my dad's um just just mourning was he would come home i just remember him coming home and picking his guitar up and just playing and singing and he'd sing them old hymns, you know, I surrender all. Oh, yeah. I surrender. And he'd, you know, he'd sing all these classic, classic hymns, you know. Um, 
you know, and songs, oh, it is Jesus. And he plays guitar and, and he loved country. So I kind of like um, started listening to him. I said, dad, show me. So he showed me three chords and, and then he started playing his records to me, which were all country records, mm. you know, Hal Kennedy, Jim Reeves and, oh, yeah. and all that, that kind of stuff. It was very, very country Christian. Yeah. Uh, but I quickly picked up by listening to a lot of those records. And, and then obviously church became the, at the backdrop to it or you're playing on a Wednesday night rehearsal on a Thursday or Friday, Sunday church, yeah. Saturday, something, you know? So, um, but how, how I got involved with guitar, my first, my first listening to guitar was country. The second thing that I listened to was, um, rock and roll. So I was into like Eric Clapton, Santana, Gary Moore. Oh, yeah. uh, let's, let's leave some of those names, you know, yeah. that kind of, I was into that whole rock guitar thing. And, and that was, before I even heard about Motown and then I heard little Motown things and I was like, wow. And then I, when I was about 11, I think 11, when I first heard gospel music. Okay. So, um, the jazz bit, the jazz bit came about was I did classical guitar. Okay. At, you know, Royal college of music grades and classical mm -hmm. guitar was in school, but there was a term that my teacher couldn't, um, I had a teacher that was ill. So they didn't know what to do with me. So they actually sent me to a well-known, uh, when I was about 15, uh, they sent me to a well-known um, college, music college in London. Um, I got a real special opportunity to go was that and Goldsmith? study jazz composition. Goldsmith? Yeah, Gold, Goldsmiths, yeah. yeah. So I ended up in Goldsmiths and, um, and I'm studying with all these older guys, you know, this jazz thing. And I kind of like, oh, this is really cool. But my eclectic taste always kind of, uh, come into play, you know, a bit of rock pop and then obviously the jazz and a classical background. So it's quite eclectic. So, you know, that's where I come from with that. Well, I, I, I've, like I said, I've been documenting people who've been making music for a long time and there's a lot of great Christian British musicians. I think of like Graham Kendrick and Delirious, Chris Eaton, yeah. Sheila Walsh, some of these folks. Yeah. Not one of those I, is I a black. There's no gospel in that. How did you, how did you, I mean, you said you discovered gospel music. What was that like when you saw this and heard this? Well, well, I, I analyzed it a few years ago, you know, how, how did I discover it? And, and what it was is that being Caribbean parents um, and, and black immigrants to the UK, um, one of the things that happened was um, my peers and the guys that are slightly older than me, they didn't want to sing the songs that our parents were singing. No generation wants to sing the song that parents sing, you know, and um, and they don't want to mimic the senior choir. So actually, what happened? One of the girls, um, she she heard, you know, this Andre Kraut sound, this this uh, James Cleveland, and we were getting these records imported into the UK. So we realised that there was something like sixty to seventy young people who were in our church just like so let's form a youth choir what are we going to sing well here's um james cleveland here's the mississippi mass choir yeah. here's here's andre crouch here's here's all these guys and we yeah. were like i was like well and being the guitarist the the youth guy playing guitar yeah. i was given these records and going you got to play. and i'm like they're piano parts yeah so i had to play the guitar chords uh, you know, stuff like soon and very soon yeah. we are. And it's like, I'm learning all these guitar chords, uh, which are kind of jazz chords as well. Yeah, so, yeah. 
um, and then I begin to, re- you know, that's that's how. Um, so th- th- we we wanted to find something that looked like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that we could sound like. Okay, and we found Black American gospel. Yeah, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. and um, that is the reason why I think that I, I we got involved with uh, the gospel choirs and 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 started to, I say, imitate the sound that we were hearing. Well, on your bio, it talks a little bit about the fact that it, this this was new to Britain. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like you had an Andre Crouch sitting there in Britain that was showing you. Yeah. So what so did you find that that was? Uh, did you know you were being groundbreaking, or was that just something that you just said? No, we're just doing what we love. It's it's always we're just doing what we love, and we immersed ourselves in the sound of of Black America and the stories of Black America because we were still writing our stories, and 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 somehow we needed to find stories that we could identify with. Yeah. So. Um, and most certainly with the music. And uh, then there was a soul music that came out, right. you know, Pendergrass and Luther and, and, and you know, even late 60s stuff, you know, with, uh, James, you know, James and, you know, all, all, all the Aretha, kind of stuff. And, and yeah. Yeah. And, and we were like finding this stuff and going, wow, these people are so free to express themselves. You know, why, why can't we be free? So, we kind of imitated so much of that, um, and in one way, in one way, it's a blessing to be attached to the legacy of some of that. Mm, yeah. But in another way, it's it hemmed us in hmm. to a to a particular thing that that hindered our own sound from mm. from growing. If that yeah. makes sense, yeah. it's, it's like it's I call it. It's like living in your father's your parents' house. And you're 30 years old, you should have your own house, maybe. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. you should have at least made some kind of thing, but you're still at home and you're at 40 years old. Um, you you don't have a voice in that house, apart from the voice of a son. Right. And, and, and fathers create culture. Uh, that's what fathers do. They create yeah. culture for sons to grow up in. But we didn't have ours for a long time mm. in in the British, uh, I call it Christian music scene, within the black context anyway. So what was it that I mean you 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 went to Goldsmith and you were learning jazz stuff and you were getting this this influence of black gospel choirs and all that stuff. But what was it that made you say I want to take music and use it as a way of communicating with God? What was it that, I mean, because you could have gone the, you know, Lee Rittenauer or some of these other great jazz greats, because you've got the chops for it, but what was it that <laughs> it, caused you to say, I'm going to use this for Jesus? Yeah, and I, I think there are there are um, Kairos moments in your life when you have a visitation, um, and if you open yourself for that, you have a visitation from from God, and I had those moments. And those moments always seem to come when um, I'm, I'm making moves to do my thing, you know. Mm. Um, and I became a session musician, and um, and I was doing sessions in the pop world. You know, I was playing for, you know, like Gloria Gaynor. Uh-huh. You yeah. know, um, it, when they came to England, I was doing, you know, Denise Williams and Candy Statton and 
and and you know I kind of met CC Winans and oh. Ronald Winans, and when everybody came to England, Fred Hammond, and all these guys started coming, Richard Smallwood. Um, I was the guitarist that played for a lot of them Very because cool. they never bought a guitarist. Yeah, um, and I became friends with a guy called Jonathan DeBose who, you know, Harry Connick Jr., but he's an amazing guitarist, played for the Hawkins. And he'd always say to people, hey, you know, if you ain't got no guitarist and you want a guitarist, check out my friend in, in London, Noel Oh, Robinson, very cool. You know. So I, I found myself doing more Christian things. Mm-hmm. And then a Kairos moment happened because uh, these encounters with God, um, they were beyond the music, if that makes sense, mm, you know. Yeah. You know, growing up, music was the highest form of expression, yeah. you know, in some ways it, it, you know, in all our lives, it can be the, the idolatry that we, man, I'm into the music. It's the music, you yeah. know, it's the music, yeah. but here was God just trying to teach me about, um, calling, yeah. you know, there's a gift, but there's a calling, there's a purpose to your life and, and your gift has something to do with it. So, um, at Kairos moments, um, I mean, significant moments. I'm making moves to do what I do mainstream and and God would show up in one different way. And I'll be like, whoa. And I'm thanking God. I'm thanking that I've got an obedient spirit. I think when he speaks, I kind of listened. And and I found, ended up um, actually playing for a guy called Graham Kendrick. Sure. Yes. We've interviewed Graham on this show. I pulled out of a, a mainstream tour because... Just in my spirit that you know God had really spoken to me. Um, not that I'm against that, but that's what happened. Yeah. And and then it's just all of a sudden I get a call from a guy. Um, I met I met the MD at the time um, at a Tremaine Hawkins concert. Okay, I was playing guitar for Tremaine, and he came up to me and he goes, "I did not know you were from England. I thought you were part of the American band." I went, "No." Um, <laughs> anyway, long and short of it, I end up. Um, exchanging numbers and he rang me and said look i'm working with this guy called graham kendrick now the two worlds did never met the Mm. black church world Mm -hmm. and let's say the white christian music Mm -hmm. world but there was no meeting ground between them they were just operating independently and i i end up playing for graham and 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 it was a kind of a revival tour so it was it was wasn't wasn't about the music only but it was about prayer and revivals coming to the UK and yeah. I become part of this thing for the music and I call it donkeys you know God used the donkeys to get me in place <laughs> where, where I would see him yeah and and I saw God and, and God spoke to me he says I want you to lead my people and I looked and I went oh these <laughs> people will never be led by me because I'm a black man basically you know and yeah and uh, they don't even have the word for a worship leader who's black they call it gospel you know mm-hmm. as, Gospel was a code word for type, not type of music, but color of a man's skin. And so I get exposed to this wider world and coming from a minority that seems like a majority. And all of a sudden I'm actually in the majority and it's like, whoa, is this what God is doing? And it really engages my soul and my heart in this revival thing. And and I actually stayed playing guitar for Graham Kendrick for about eight years. And um, and in that time, I met Ron Canoli and I became his music director for a while in, in Europe. So I was balancing these two worship leaders. 
And I kind of end up going, why would you have me have favor with Graham? And why would you have me favor with Ron? These are two at the time, March for Jesus. Uh, it was near the end of that. I came in and Ron Canoded the whole Hosanna movement, yeah. you know, and I, I'm there watching Ron on one hand and, and playing with Graham. And I'm thinking, what is it that you want me? And I think I am the birth of the mixed race, if you want to call it. Sure. Uh, if that makes sense, you know, there's something birthed out of Graham's ministry and something that's birthed out of Ron. Yeah. That that becomes both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like if jazz, that makes sense. right? Jazz was kind of a fusion of the black or the black style in the South. Yeah. And yeah. some of the rock and roll stuff that was fused together yeah. to make a whole new music style. And, Absolutely. And so that's what God was doing to you, was giving you the opportunity to see both sides of this, because he was getting ready to birth something in you that, what was it? I Absolutely. think it was 1996, right, that you released your first yeah. album, Oh, Taste and See. My first album, Oh, Taste yeah. and See, yeah. And and when I released that album, most of my friends uh, were like, why are you doing an album? You're a guitarist. I mean, like everybody around was like going, "Why?" And, and I was compelled to do it because God, God put somebody in my life mm. that was saying, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. And I did it. And I was like, okay, I don't think it's very good. Uh, because again, being a musician and having listened to much of the American stuff that was coming out, um, you know, I, and not, not knowing how they do it mm. to get that amazing sound, or let's say my ears were acclimatized to that sound. Yeah. Therefore, anything outside of that sound was not as good rather than being, mm. well, it's different. Mm. Uh, so, but something happened with that album, the songs, the churches began to sing it and people start to invite me to their churches. And I was like, I don't sing. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I asked my friends because in my church, even though I was a music director and I, I kind of did worship at church yeah. and, and, and I was a music director for, you know, like Karen Gibson, the kingdom choir. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and all those kind of guys, you know, they were all part of my church. And so one of my realities, I just say, guys, come and sing, come and sing with me. And we end, end up traveling around the country, just singing these songs that were on this album. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is really cool, but I'm a guitarist. So, you know, I'm just like doing this because it's here. Yeah. Not knowing that I think God was just like, it was the donkeys he was using just to put me in, put me in the right, right path, you know, so you're not for my life. You're not calling yourself Balaam, are you? <laughs> not quite, not the donkey. I'm the donkey, yeah. No, I, I can't, when I say the donkey, I allude, I always allude to, you know, Saul, King okay. Saul, when he was appointed as a king, what, what happened was, um, his dad said to him, go and look for the donkeys. Okay. So he goes with his servants and they never find the donkeys, but they find the prophet who was told that there's a man coming. Uh, and when he comes, right. that's the next king. That's the king of Israel. Yeah. And he didn't, he went to his own coronation. He didn't know that, <laughs> right. you know, that, that God will use things that uh, we're chasing after to actually find his purpose. Do you know? So here I'm chasing the music doing what I want to do. I want to play music, man. I want to do that. But then I find him. Yeah. I find God and, and I'm changed to another man. You know, uh, people sort of like say, well, the Noel that we knew that was like all about the music. All of a sudden now he's talking about God and he's always talking about God. <laughs> do you have to talk so much about God? I'm like, no, but he touched my very soul. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, these encounters actually begin to shape me. But but again, you know, and the music, you know, the music began to die a bit because it was like all about the presence of God. Mm. And and it was many years later. Um, I just like got tired of music and I'm doing it because I can do it. And I end up um, going to a um, crossroads festival <laughs> in Dallas okay. for four days. Yeah. And I stand in the middle of this uh, 60,000 people and cry as these guitarists stand up to play. And there's hardly any singing. It's just playing. Uh-huh. And I go, I want my music yeah. to touch people's soul. Like how, you know, B.B. King or Buddy Guy or Eric or Santana yeah. or John Mayer, they play and their music touches people's soul. And I go, I, I, I want that. And, you know, the challenge that I had was God said, I can give that to you when you can pray more than you play. Uh... <laughs> and I go, uh, I go, I'm going to struggle with that because I play all the time. Yeah. And he goes, you do. And I went, well, what do I have to stop playing? And, um, and he says, no, you just have to stay in that posture. Uh, so God has given you this gift and he said, I want you to use it, but I want the relationship as much as you want the music. Yeah. Yeah. So when you pray more than you can play and I was like, well, and you know, I say to people, um, it's always a struggle. Yeah. You know, um, it's, we, we, so, so I learned in actual fact, it was the first key I learned about the ways of God that we can be in the spirit constantly if we're aware of his nearness. Mm, yeah. And being aware of his nearness is, is that simple thing where whatever you do, whether you're playing a video game uh-huh. <laughs> or yeah. you're reading your Bible or you're going shopping or, you're actually upset and somebody's cut you up on the road or, <laughs> but actually being aware of his nearness um, activates just the manifest yeah. abilities of God around you. You know, I, I'm like the crazy guy that goes to the mall, as you call it. And I go, Lord, Holy Spirit, just give me a good parking space. I don't want to walk far today. <laughs> uh, sometimes he gives me a far one and says, no, you need to walk because you need to get some exercise. <laughs> But yeah. more often than not, I find this space. It's like, yeah. go around again. I drove around. Oh, I've got a space, you know. Yeah. I'm just, you know, and I, I use that comically, but um, I think that uh, living in that space, creative as well, you know. Because um, I, I speak about now when I talk about ministry, I talk about, you know, thunder is the sound of lightning. Right. And we are so used to hearing the sound of thunder sometimes we don't see the lightning. Wow. Wow. And the profundity of being a worship leader is the thing that marks you is your ability to see the lightning because the sound that you make from seeing is attached to the lightning. Oh, I love that. And, and, and we can easily be attached to a sound. So we have the mimicry um, what I talked about hearing this gospel sound, it looked like me. Wow, it sounds like we can do it. It teaches us how to do it and we do it. But we're actually not attached to the lightning that created that sound. Um, 
and what we're doing is re, 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 just replaying the sound. And then God gives you and shows you the light and you see the light. And even though you're using the same mm-hmm. expressions and the same functions, it's actually now attached to the revelation. Wow. And that in itself empowers the whole thing. So I, I always say things like, um, there's only two things that came out of heaven, Jesus and music. And I, when I use the word come out of heaven, before the foundation of the earth, Jesus was already going to be the ultimate. Mm -hmm. But we also have the picture of Lucifer and his very being making a sound in heaven. Mm. And that sound was because he stood the closest to the light. Wow. So every time the light, the courts of heaven, the courts of heaven, it says in Revelation, is filled with thunder and lightning. Yeah. So every time he saw a move of God, he made a sound because his body was made up to respond to the presence. So what happens when he makes a sound, the angels in heaven would take their cue and go, whoa, something's happening up. Something's happening up the hill of the Lord. (laughs) And they would worship and they would go, holy, worthy, glory. And, And then what is our human response? Our human response is that we see Jesus and we respond to that we see the pictures that the Holy Spirit shows us. It's why music in itself doesn't exist. It has to exist with content. The sound is always a response to something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sound in itself doesn't have a beginning. It's own. Yeah. It doesn't have its own root. Right. It can't make itself. It can't make itself. Yeah. So when light comes, it makes a sound. That's oh. what we hear. So when I talk about worship, and this is father stuff, there's a generation that God wants to raise up. But God doesn't use anyone until he gives them an encounter. You see it in the life of Abraham. Yeah. You see it in the life of even Adam. You see it in the life of Noah. You see it in the life of Moses. You see it in Joseph. You see it in the life of every single name mentioned in the Bible up to the New Testament, even actually when we study church history, we will see every denomination is because of a revelation. Yes. Maybe they've got stuck within that revelation and it's become the be and end all, but that's our humanity. But actually God wants to use a new generation, but he wants to show them himself first. So the sound they make may sound like the world, but actually... Music is the only thing that can contain a man's intention, revelation, and emotion in one note. Yeah. And when he plays that note, our human physiology responds to it. You know, sometimes I say music is the voice of the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And does your soul sing? <laughs> and what does it sing? Yeah. Or is the sound of your soul an echo of an echo of an echo uh. or is it an echo of the thing that you've seen so that's some of where i come from <laughs> i love that picture that we are the sound of walking in the light 
that we are the Absolutely. thunder of the lightning Absolutely. of Christ. Absolutely. I, well, I, I've never heard the, that before, the, Noel. That is, I love that. The, the Bible does this simple thing. It, it gives this amazing picture in um, Isaiah where it, it, it quotes the scripture, arise and shine for your light has come. We know that scripture, but we don't actually focus on the backdrop to that because the biggest issue around the church or the body of Christ is finding our function and purpose in every given situation, whether that's socio-economic, whether that's political, whether that's whatever, because our humanity is so diverse. Yeah. But the same God that gave everybody fingerprints that are unique is the same God that actually creates something and gives it purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I go like this, that scripture, the power of that scripture, Isaiah 61, is found in verse two. And there's darkness and gross darkness. So when we look and we go, in the beginning, God spoke into the darkness. Yep. And he said, let there be light. But he wasn't talking about the sun and moon. So what light was he talking about? Uh, he was saying, everything that exists, that I've created, all these ingredients, I want you to look at me because I'm about to form something from you. Yeah. So he goes, you call hydrogen and you call oxygen. So I'm going to take two of you and I'm going <laughs> to form a firmament. You call carbon. And some of this oxygen thing here, I'm going to use you again and I'm going to form another firmament. You're going to be different. Yeah. And then God goes, now I'm going to put a sun in the firmament and I'm going to put lesser stars. So we wonder what the moon's for. Why do we have a moon? And we know the moon's scientifically magnetic with the tide and all right. this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, it's the moon that goes around the earth and positions itself every 12 hours to reflect the sun. Yeah. The light of the sun. Yeah. So the darkness is an opportunity for us as believers to position ourselves. Where? In the sun. To reflect yeah. the light. Ah. Yeah. To stand in the dark places and reflect the light. So we have to turn that scripture upside down and go, your light has come. The revelation of who you are now, think about that. When God reveals himself, have you ever been in a dark room? Oh, yeah. And you turn the light on. Yep. You see everything. But everything that can see, can see you. Mm, yeah. Because you don't just flick on a light so you can see, right. but everything in that room can see you. So you're defining everything in that room going, that's that, that's that, that. And everything in the room is going, but this is who you are. Mm. Yeah. So when we stand in that and God reveals who we are, we arise and shine to the revelation of who he says he is, but also who he says we are. Mm. Yeah. And you'll notice that when Abraham met him, and Abram said, but you're Yahweh. Yeah. 
And God says, yeah, but your name is now called. And God does these name changes. Yeah. The name changes are synonymous with function. Mm. Yeah. So, for example, you're doing this podcast and you've been doing it all these years. Why? Well, because God has put inside you something that he wants to remind people of. Mm-hmm. Without the word of God, we could never say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If it was never written down. So in First Chronicles 16, there is these Levites who their role is not to sing and play like Chennai, Ethan, and Jedithan and all these guys. Their role is not to open the doors. Their role is to record. In actual fact, if you type the word record in the King James, it may be one of the only places that it shows up. Hmm. He anoints and he calls Levites to make, to record what happens in, that's why we have Psalms. That's the reason why David didn't write all the Psalms. Because when, when Asaph began to sing out, he sounded like David yeah. because he was of the same spirit, but they were capturing the nuance. That's why we have the word. I'm so glad they didn't capture the music or else we'd all be in trouble. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'd all we'd all go, well, to really sound spiritual, we need to sound like yeah. Hebrew. And you know, so it means that God has to have people in a generation that record, that tell the story of the lightning. And God knows in the world there are there are many things we needed for me, I needed black America music so that I could see there was a purpose. But then I found my own voice. Yeah. You found your own reflection of the light in you. I stood in the light and I saw the light and I went, now I've seen the light for myself. And, And I put it like this, that many of the men of God that I've worked with, I often say to myself, my music doesn't sound like Ron Canoni, neither does it sound like Graham Kendrick. And God showed me this incredible picture of a kitchen. Uh, nothing to do with food, but in this kitchen was every single modern technology that mm. you could think of. Toaster, microwave, just you name yeah. it, dishwasher. And and he, he pointed to the microwave and the oven. And he goes, what's the difference? And I go, well, they're the same. They're different. Yeah. He goes, but, he goes, but you can still cook a meal in the microwave. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. And I went, yeah. And he goes, so the functions are similar, but they're different. Yep. And he goes, none of them work unless they're plugged in. Uh, yeah. And I began to realize that the people I worked with, when God began to talk to me about the call in my life, were there to help me to plug in, not for me to copy them. Right. They were helping you to see that you needed to pray more than you played. Absolutely. They, yeah. they were there to show me that this is how you plug in yeah. to God. Yeah. And I realized that when we plug into the power source, the function of the microwave is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The function of the kettle. And, and it may be we're going to boil for a cup of tea, mm-hmm. but for five minutes or for how many minutes it takes, that kettle becomes centerpiece to making a cup of coffee or a tea yeah. because it boils the water. 
And God has these moments in life where we take our center stage and he uses us. And the glory of that is that we've accomplished all that he's called us to. And by doing our part, others come along and, and they take it and run. And they get their five minutes. And I should never feel jealous or or war about things. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I go, thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to see a legacy move. Yeah. Yeah. To another generation, to another young man or another young woman or whatever. And I think that in the UK as an artist, as a worship leader, my heart is to see people raised up to their potential and become all they should become. There's something significant about this generation. I call it the song of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was an amazing prophet. We know the language of Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. He's great saying, can these dry bones live? And right. the wheel in the middle of the wheel. And his language gives away where he's meant to serve. In the house. Yeah. But there's another prophet who's probably even more significant in some ways, whose moment had not arrived yet, who was, but it was at the same time. And his name was Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. So here's Ezekiel in Babylon talking to the children of Israel. And here's Daniel who from Israel in the palace with the heir of the king, Daniel had a song. And Ezekiel had a song. Would it be the most amazing prophetic destiny of people that in this season we begin to see the prophetic synergy Mm. between the mainstream world, what we call mainstream, because mainstream is what it is. It's not secular. Secular means devoid of God. But if you're in it, how can it be devoid of God? Excellent point. Yeah. But what you need to do is find your purpose. But this is the key why we struggle is that Ezekiel heard God's voice and he prophesied to the wind Mm. and the bones came alive because the bones were the church. So some are called to the church to stoke the fire of revival. Our songs are meant to stoke the fire of revival, bring believers to that place. Yeah but some are meant to be in the world. The it means that their, their songs yeah. don't sound like the church. But the key between, the key ingredient was Daniel got in trouble because he prayed. Yeah. <laughs> Three times a day. Yeah. It meant that even though he was in the world, mm-hmm. He was connected to God in a profound way that when the mysteries of the Babylonian kingdom came about, the yep. writing on the wall, yeah. he was so connected to God that he could interpret. Mm-hmm. What am I saying? There is stuff happening in the world, but God is raising up a generation of songwriters and singers that are going to be singing the language of the world. Yeah. But because they're connected to the lightning, yeah. it is empowered by the heavenly place. It's why Daniel could say, 
to the angel, where were you? And the angel said to him, man, I've been trying to get here for 21 days, <laughs> but I met the, the king of Syria or prince of Persia and he was fighting me and I had to call to heaven for an archangel Michael to come and help me to overcome the adversary that wanted me to stop me from bringing this word to you. We have a generation that are going to sing songs that the enemy is going to try to stop. Mm -hmm. But the angels in heaven, in the atmosphere, because we're doing something very profound. This is the profundity of it, is that the Bible says that the prince of the power of the air, because we gave dominion to the prince. Mm -hmm. So he's using the power of the ear to actually, actually, people are looking to the ear, not to the lightning, yep. in yep. the ear. And I go, but there's coming a sound, whether you call it hip hop, R&B, jazz, rock, pop, there's a sound that is connected to the revelation of Jesus. Yeah. That will cause men to cry and they're going, I don't even know why I'm crying. Yeah. Yeah. That will cause that will cause people broken hearts to men and you go, ah, what? What was that all about? I go, that's a generation. That's the generation that we're serving. And God is building up that generation now, taking the things that you and other you're you're being a Ron Canoli or a Graham Kendrick to another worship leader to help them develop their own style that's going to reach out there that you couldn't do that I couldn't and, do. And I go, Ron Canoli and Graham, I mean, we've just celebrated 50 years of Graham Kendrick yes. in the UK and we're still celebrating it. Uh, in their season, they impacted, but there's a Noel Robinson season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a Matt Redmond season. Yep. Yep. And I go, we all have to take our place, but our functions are different but we all have to be connected to the copper wire in the wall. Yeah. I think of the scripture of, you know, of the different body parts, you know, absolutely. Everybody's a different thing. Well, this finger, my index finger does something different than my thumb does. Absolutely. But they have to be worked together and they have to be connected to the body and ultimately to the head. It's the same kind of a thing that you're talking about. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's that, what is the saying bloom where you're planted? That's right. Yeah. And that's why Noel Robinson is not in America. Well, I do come to America quite often. I don't chase the American thing. Because you're planted like I, in, in London. The UK. Yep. So I'm chasing the revival yeah. in the UK. I'm chasing the revival in Europe. I'm chasing the revival where God puts my feet. And, and he has put your, he's taken you around the world to do this. And obviously this is a message for the world and and I, I think the encouragement to us as listeners is what is it where is it that God has planted you? What is it that God has planted for you to do? I'm not the musician that you guys are, but I have skills and talents. And I'm supposed yeah. to use those as a reflection to be the thunder of the lightning of God. Absolutely. And and the thing is not everyone's called to to play music. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I said the importance of Isaiah, the Isaiah scripture, arise and shine, for your light has come, is this. Peter does this. Jesus goes to Peter, whom do men say I am? And they're saying all these different things, but Peter goes, thou art the Christ. 
Jesus's response, this is the rise and shine moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, flesh and blood. This means that you're not making a sound because a sound was made. You've actually seen the lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Therefore, I've got to change your name <laughs> and redefine you. So you're no longer Simon. You're going to be yep. called Peter. And then Jesus does this deep thing. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Yeah. Now, Peter had not even denied Christ yet. Right, right. This is not a conversation that was happening around uh, Jesus. This yeah. is like, okay, is that what you said? It probably went amiss. But when we see the fulfillment of that is in Acts 2. Yeah. When God goes, when 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 Peter becomes the spokesman for the church. Yeah. Upon this place of revelation, the fact that you see the lightning and you're willing to make a sound based on the lightning. Paul has the same thing, name change, but he sees the lightning. What am I saying that? We may look at these old pictures in the Bible and go, well, okay, that's old, that's New Testament. That's thousands of years ago. But I go, there's a man called Dave who God put in him a, a strong desire for music. And he may not have been the greatest musician, but God had a purpose in the plan that he was going to be a recorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do we need recorders? Every name mentioned in the Bible. Somebody wrote down. Somebody wrote it down. Yeah. There's a significant thing about those that have written. And I love this. John the Revelator. Mm, yeah. He's on an island. In exile. But he's caught up in the spirit. And he begins to write stuff for the future present and the past but there's no chronos yeah because he's in heaven and he doesn't know whether it's the past present or future he just knows there's something happening by the spirit some of the stuff that you're doing in capturing these people even me i don't know how you found me but i'm just a little guy doing my thing i really am you know but i want to fulfill that thing but i want to say to all those people that god's called us to such an amazing mandate just do our part and if he excels us and gives us names that touch the world then praise be to god do your part yes if your name is not known in places do your part yes yeah and we fulfill it because our names will be mentioned they'll be written down where it matters most absolutely Absolutely. Well, no, I, I appreciate that. I, I want to, if it's okay with you, I'd like to spin your song, You Are Unrivaled. Yes, my latest song, yeah. Talk just a little bit about that song. Tell us, just real briefly, tell us about You Are Unrivaled and what how does that fit into being a reflection of the light that we've been talking about today? I got commissioned to write a song for an event, and I struggle with writing that song uh, I was just trying to find inspiration. Why? Because we went into a lockdown. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I began to reflect on what had happened. Now, you know, as a worship leader, I, I do lots of events all over England, Europe, just all over the world. You yeah. Know? And all of the platforms were taken away. And I went, oh, my Lord, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? 
I was meant to do five international dates in that April and I was meant to do a, a 12, 13 date tour of the UK. And I was like, everything was canceled. Yeah. I went, God, what is this? So I'm, I'm in this place where I'm trying to, I've, I've just taken a hit thinking what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, and God stabilizes the shit. And he says, he says, there are things in your life that can easily become idols. Did you know, Noel, that your music and what you do can become an idol? Because I called you to be and not to do. And and I began to look and I'd go, oh my God, I need to check myself yeah. that the very thing that God's called me to do in ministry has not become the idol. Yeah. That's above him. And I began to look at that and I began to look at many pastors that I knew that were like completely flailing. I was in like, well, well, because church is gone and it's like, well, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And, and I saw people's faith, including mine, being really shook by loss and by, by so many things that the pandemic had done. Mm -hmm. I started to pen these words, you know, God of the mystery. Yeah. Nothing's hidden. Here you see. And I began to write those songs, Jesus, you are unrivaled. I'm putting you back where you should be. There's no one like you. God of the mystery, nothing here is hidden. You see every moment, every act. You are Lord of it all. We see you in our detail. Everything. Fear must never be an idol in our lives because fear has become an idol. And it's obscured the provision of God in many people's lives. Uh, and I felt that many people had put fear on the throne. 
And all God wanted to say, are you willing to trust me in the famine? bunch of folks who've committed to praying for musicians. How specifically can we be praying for you in the weeks and the months that are in front of us? I, I believe that God wants to do something very new just in my life. And I've seen that picture of, of you know, getting involved in media, you know, having my own shows on God TV and TV. And I, I, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by it, blown away by it. And I go, God, I'm praying for life, family, uh, praying for strength, uh, real strength, uh, praying for healing, you know, uh, praying that I can be a strong encourager for others. Uh, and that's, you know, I think that's my prayer, uh, that I get to release all that God has given me in this season. Uh, and. And, and get to practice <laughs> and play more and, and and just live out some of the dreams that God's placed in my heart. I want to be able to do that. You probably remember the song In the Light, which came from DC Talk's album Jesus Freak back in the 90s. I've always loved that call, which comes from 1 John 1, 7, that says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And if you flip back a few books to John 1, it says the word, that's Jesus, brought light to everyone. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The image of Jesus's light has been an important part of my faith journey, but I've never really paused to think about how I am affected by the light. 
I appreciate Noel's illustration of thunder and lightning and how thunder is actually a result of lightning, or how he talked about the importance of the moon on tides and other things here on planet Earth. But again, the moon is a reflector of the light of the sun. Over the past several months, we've explored here on the podcast what it looks like to say yes to Jesus. I've used the phrase, the answer is yes, Jesus. Now, what's the question? My desire is to intentionally be where God is and not just rely on God to follow me around and help me in my daily routine. So if I, or if we, are intentionally focusing on the lightning that is Jesus, if we are operating as a direct response to the effects of being in the light of his presence, how does that affect what we do and who we are? Are we being thunder in our community? Does the fact that I'm a child of the Almighty King change what people hear from me? As you know, thunder is not a timid, quiet, and peaceful sound. (laughs) It's loud and aggressive. When the thunder rolls, everyone hears it. Am I being bold in my proclamation that Jesus has changed my life? Or am I content to just hide my light under a bushel and rely on Jesus just to fix my problems? I'm not really sure what changes are going to take place in my own life because I choose to follow God's direction. But I want to be a representation of Christ that is unmistakable and unashamed. I don't want to be bashful when it comes to sharing about my relationship with Jesus. I want to be part of the generation that God is raising up to make a difference in the world because I'm connected to the lightning. I'd like to thank Noel Robinson for the permission to share his latest single, You Are Unrivaled. You can stream that song anywhere you stream your music. But I'd also like to invite you to visit Noel's website, where you will find more music, you'll find music charts, and information about the rest of his albums. And I'll put all of Noel's links in the show notes for this episode. Well, as always, I'd like to thank you for joining me for this conversation today. I'm grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories about God's amazing faithfulness. And if this is encouraging to you, maybe you would mind encouraging me by supporting this podcast. Would you consider helping fund the work I do by contributing a little bit every month? Not only do you help fund this podcast, but you also get to help write questions I ask my guests. And all of my contributors get an email that allow them to, hey, here's a question I've got for your upcoming guest. You can learn about how you can support this program over at christianmusicarchive.com slash donate. And I'd like to thank you for supporting. Next week, I'm going to share a conversation I had with Paul Wilbur. Paul got his start with the early CCM band Harvest, and he's gone on to a thriving ministry speaking, writing, and leading worship. And I'd like to invite you to join that conversation next week. And of course, every week, because I'm going to share stories of the people you find here on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. And to close things out today, I'm going to remind you, as I always do, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. It's time for another Mischievous Maurer's Miscellaneous Misquotes. Whoever invented knock-knock jokes, but they should get a Nobel Prize.